that should be your first red flag. If everyone is saying the same shit yes. and no one is challenging it, oh. red flag, get out, don't pay, yeah. run. But if it is, if you're around women constantly going, why that, or what's this, or what are you doing next? That's a good, good networking group to be a part of good investment. Hey, and welcome to my vagina hurts, a podcast, putting a new spin on the phrase, my head hurts, because let's be honest, sometimes what life throws at you when you're a professional mother, partner, and friend doesn't just make your head hurt. Are we professional podcast producers? No. But do we have a reputation for oversharing in public? Yes. So join us, your hosts, Kelly Cummins, Courtney Laverdane, and myself, Devin McNally, as each week we release a new episode on topics like what babies did to our sex life, how women's organizations are mostly cults, and how bad sex can lead to death. You know, all the topics your grandma told you never to bring up at the dinner table. Welcome to My Vagina Hurts. I'm Devin. I'm Courtney. And I'm Kelly. And today's chat is all about spilling a little bit of tea, anonymous tea, but tea nonetheless. Um, Yeah, I know it's going to get good. We're going to be talking about, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to be talking about women's organizations, professional crossover, personal women's organizations. And I don't know if our listeners know truly, but our relationship, our friendship really can be um, credited to a women's organization. And this organization predicated itself on empowering women in business and helping them grow in their careers. It was like a networking meets, I don't know, professional development, if you will. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, a, in an industry like niche. Yeah. 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 Industry, industry, women's. Yeah. Industry focus yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we're just going to be talking about different types of women, women's organizations, what, you know, we feel about them, the good, the bad, the red flags to watch out for and how to identify, you know, ones that cross over into that cult-like MLM territory that, you know, maybe we need to help other women get ready to flag. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, there's three, there's, we could go down a hundred rabbit holes. So there's three main women's orgs that we're going to talk about today. First one is mother's groups. One's purely allocated or dedicated to moms, working moms, stay-at-home moms, whatever that might be. The next one is C-suite or executive level groups where you have to meet a certain Mm -hmm. professional level, as well as the financial commitment is well above um, any of the other standard networking groups. And then those industry career or niche women's orgs. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to do our best to not drop any names, try and keep things as anonymous as possible. Um, And then, you know, at the end, we'll link some of our favorite uh, women's orgs for everybody to check out if you guys are interested. So first thing I want to talk about is the cost. Uh, Almost all of the professional development women's orgs require a fee, a sign-up fee, membership dues, an annual fee, almost like a credit card. Um, Mm -hmm. What are your guys' gut reactions when it comes to paying for an organization like this? Worth it, not worth it? What do you think some of the downsides are you know, when you have to pay monthly dues to something like this? Well, I find what's really interesting is um, a lot of the women who 
quote unquote need or really, you know, at a time in their careers where they're interested in these types of organizations are earlier in their careers. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you don't always have the extra expendable budget to pay annual dues, monthly dues, whatever. And I think a lot about that because I I, I am a, I'm a club girl, sign me up. And 10 years ago, it was a big stretch to pay these annual dues. And it felt like it was always, you know, oh, the time's coming. I have to scrounge this $500 in a month that is above and beyond whatever my normal expenses are. And the point of it is ideally to grow in your career or grow your business. And so you hope that there's going to be some return on your investment And I will say that there is, but it's not always immediate. So it really is a financial commitment that you have to kind of decide that you're going to make. And I don't think you should go into it expecting, you know, an annual ROI. I think it depends on where you're at in your career, right? Like, like Courtney was saying, you know, when you're, there's free groups out there that are going to give you what you pay for. And it's also what you, not just the value and dollars that you pay for, but the energy you put into it too, you know, like some organizations may cost thousands of dollars per year, but if you're just sitting there thinking it's going to come to you and you don't actually engage with people or take advantage of the resources that the organization provides, you're not going to get your ROI out of it, but it isn't a short-term play. But from when, when you're thinking about like the, a lot of the point of some of these things, um, you know, the way women's networks are described is, you know, to help women help women, right? Because men do this, you know, for, they've done it for centuries, right? But yet we're already isolating out the gate early people early in their career, people with, um, financial constraints or anything along those lines. But if you don't start helping women learn these skills early, is it too late by the time they can afford the things? So like paying, you know, a hundred bucks a month and getting all this access, all this training, all this technology available at your fingertips when you're 10 years in is still great. Yeah. But definitely not as great as if you would have gotten it at in your early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. There's privilege there, right? Like we knew that Courtney, you and I talked about it when we first joined the organization we joined, like there was a look, there was a lack of diversity that was blatant and it was a privilege, like perception. Like you had to be in this particular industry doing this particular thing and look a certain way to be a part of it. And we purposely went into it, at least I did, thinking, you know, other than being engaged with the community and wanting to meet new people was like, there, I want to be, there's something here that's not right. (laughs) Like there's got to be an opportunity, especially when like we stepped into more of a leadership position to, to be intentional about um, opening up the opportunity to be a part of the organization for all women, not just women who fit that cookie cutter image. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that that goes along to kind of the bigger conversation, which is the types of roles that certain women even are able to apply for and get, mm-hmm. you know, I just started a new job and there's not a ton of diversity. And, and I think, you know, 
Why is that? Is it because there are not a lot of women of color in marketing fields or are they not getting the access to, you know, apply for these positions? I mean, there's just so many things. And as much as these women's professional networks are meant to help, I do think sometimes they can add to the insularity of the industry in general. Yeah. It, the word click comes to mind thinking of this. Mm-hmm. It becomes clicky. Um, I don't, that's like funny. That. You say I that. hated, I hated that mm-hmm. in high school in general, like the yes of things. Yes. But, there was okay. definite, there's, um, it's interesting when you, when you're doing some research on like women's organizations in general, not to know about specific ones, but just what the culture of that environment is like. There was um, an article by the Washington Post that said this new breed of women's networks is often masked by more palatable terms like community. And it's part cheerleading, career coaching, a social club. It's, It's this sort of like gender buffer or like softened buffer out the gate. I mean, you just right in the branding, it becomes like that. And I think that's also part of the filter system, right? Mm -hmm. Like people that are comfortable in those clicky environments or are looking for a social club or are looking for something along those lines, it tends to pull those women, you Mm -hmm. know, sort of in, in that direction. So are you guys in groups now? Like, yes. So I am and have been a member of NABO, which is the National Association of Women Business Owners. I've been a member for five years. I've sat on the board. I have completed my board term. (laughs) I'm very happy about that. And now I'm just a member at large. And there are a lot of things that I really like about that organization, which is why I'm still a member and why I still I continue to be a member. Um, but that's the only organization that I'm part of right now. I'm Can not I- part of any. You guys are my group. <laughs> our own, our um, own bad moms. Yeah, bad self, moms. Club. Self, self-proclaimed. Um, I think that's. Mm, twofold, uh, time in my life, you know, and I haven't found any other group that's presented the value that is worth the exchange of my time. And (laughs) frankly, a bad taste in my mouth from the last experience. So, um, I'm very, uh, as I am with everything in my world right now, very particular about where I put my energy. What, um, initially drew you both into the organization we were all a part of and then Courtney um, to Nabo. What was the initial pull? So for me, um, at that point in my career, I was transitioning. My business was changing. I was just transitioning like socially, kind of felt like I was like up leveling from the group. Socially, I was a part of and wanted to, you know, reach out to other people who were more on my level. And I didn't have a shit ton of money to invest in an organization at that point. So um, I thought, okay, well, this group looks cool. They have some topics that are relevant to where I'm at. It's not a super big investment to get started. Um, Now, did someone refer you or did you find it online? I found it online. Yeah. Yeah. I found it online. I, I honestly 
watched it for many months before I started mm. to, uh, before I went to the first event. Um, cause I wanted to see like how it would grow and what it was all about. And then, um, yeah, when I decided to become a member, I very, very vividly remember sitting at one of the events and being like, I don't want to just be a member. Like, I want to be with those girls. <laughs> like, then <laughs> that was like, you guys, I thought like, okay, the, the members are cool. And like, I got, you know, relationships from those women too, but more, I was looking to be part of like up-level myself as a leader, as a professional and wanted to be surrounded with like-minded people. So I saw you two were in the leadership positions at the time and thought like, okay, like that's the, that's the network of people that I want to be involved in. So I'm not joining this to be a member at large. I'm joining it to be a part of, you know, the leadership group. Yeah. I will say I also found that group online, um, organically. It was the kickoff before the chapter even launched in Detroit. It was like this random, happy hour at the Whitney and I got stuck in traffic over on that side of town. And I was like, I just don't feel like sitting in traffic. I might as well just go to this thing, have a drink and then get on the road. Mm-hmm. And it, that was when I decided to take over and, and launch the Detroit chapter. It was like purely nobody I knew was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found it when I was looking, I Googled, women's groups in Detroit that day at work. I was like, wow, wow. or that. And I saw that it was an event, like that event right came up and I was like, Oh, I don't like doing things last minute, like committing (laughs) all of a sudden deciding I'm going to go somewhere last minute. It's just not my MO. I just happen to get stuck in traffic and turn around. What was the draw? What was the sell for you about this group that made you say, yeah, I want to lead it? So I honestly think I was sold by the founder's story. I think I was sold by the, I want to help women get further or grow more and beat some of the games and the politics behind this space Um, she had come from advertising. I was in that space. It was very apparent that the same issues 10 years ago existed today. It was, I was like in the crux of that issue at work and in my personal life. And I just wanted to fix it. And Mm -hmm. it seemed like there in this group, there was only like 12 people that showed up to that little happy hour. And it just seemed like, Oh, a lot of these women want to do that. Like a lot of these women want to help fix that problem was the idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And I became a member there on the spot. So I also was online looking for uh, organizations. I was new to Detroit and had just gotten married, had just moved here, uh, never spent much time on this side of the state uh, growing up. So I didn't have a lot of connections or friends or anything but I've always been a joiner. So I knew that the best way to make friends and professional uh, connections is to join something. So I, uh, I went on LinkedIn, which is my MO. I always go on LinkedIn and I just see what's up. And I think I found you, Devin, you had launched the chapter. It was on your LinkedIn and I don't even remember. I probably just like messaged you. I'm sure like a creeper because 
that's also my MO. (laughs) And I was just like, hello, can we be friends? (laughs) It's been, it's been that way ever since creeping in my, in my text message ever since text messages every day. (laughs) Um, And so I, uh, I think very, very similar to what I think a lot of women talk about that is inherent for men and kind of what they understand about community and and making those friends and have it be friends slash professional acquaintances. I have understood that for a long time. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, let me find, I, I need some friends and I need some professional acquaintances. So let me find an organization and I will find those, those things. And I knew that I would, and I did. I was not immediately going into it wanting to help anybody. (laughs) Frankly, I was looking to help myself. And I am uh, not a sideline person. So I pretty quickly knew that I can't keep my mouth shut to sit on the sidelines anyway. Um, So thankfully, Devin uh, recognized that and brought me into the fold. And that was that was really awesome. And once I got into a leadership position, I really did feel like I could affect some change. And I was excited to mentor um, younger women in their careers and help them build confidence. Cause that was probably the biggest opportunity that I saw was so many women who uh, were nervous uh, in their, in their professional lives, didn't know maybe what steps to take, were timid. And I wanted to help try to bring that out of as many women as I could. Yeah. When we look at the member base of those industry or niche organizations, they definitely skew either way young right? Because the cheaper they are, the younger the audience, right? Mm -hmm. Or incredibly exclusive Mm -hmm. and male. There's very few women only executive level groups, like, or even that mid senior level group. There's always, and there was a point in um, that organization where I was like a little too senior to get personal growth from that. And I was I wanted a balance. I want to help people, but I want to grow as well. There has to be, and we couldn't get enough of those high end or high level women in because that bridge just really wasn't made. Do you think, um, when we look at, let's switch to like those mother's organizations, are they sort of structured and set up the same? Do you feel like it's all new moms? Do you feel like it's a certain type of mom that tends to gravitate towards that and towards the leadership side of, of those things um, is sort of that demographic breakout either by age or even by profession. Um, similar. I feel like the mother's organizations are by type of mother. That seems very apparent with all the mothers organizations that I see that I have been a part of, that it is very much, you are this type of mother and you can be in this organization with us. And if you are not this type of mother, we don't even, you know, want to be friends with you. Yeah. And you know it, if you, if you're self-aware, you know it really quickly, whether or not it's where you belong. 
I think the tricky part though, is that when you're a mom, especially a new mom, you are so vulnerable. If you don't have that self-awareness that it's really easy to start bending who you are and how you mom and who you are as a parent to be part of these groups. That's where the danger lies with the mom groups, in my opinion. Like, you know, there's the earthy crunchy groups that you can be like, oh yeah, I'm that too. But like, are you really like, are you really, I, I never felt like it was really easy for me to walk in and be like, no, this is not like where I belong. I'm going to find the people that I need to be at the bad mom's club. Yeah. I, I have a, (laughs) I have a good, I have a good mom's organization story. So, (laughs) um, early on in my mothering journey, when my son was young, eating, he was eating solid food. So he probably had to be, you know, one and a half to two. Um, I would show up to the mom's co-working space and the moms would have their little glass Tupperware and their homemade lunches for their children. And I would literally be showing up with Popeye's and my son and I would split it. (laughs) And one day, The the woman, the woman who was in charge of like the, like helping with all the kids and stuff, she comes to me and she's like, I don't know. He's not really eating the chicken fingers and he's like making weird faces. And I like looked at my food and I was like, oh no, I think I gave him my spicy nuggets and I kept the regular. (laughs) My bad. And she looked at me like I had like fed my child arsenic. (laughs) Oh my God. That's awesome. Oh my God. I was just picturing like Trip just mowing down on a chicken leg. Like (laughs) while the rest of the kids are eating like a nice sandwich or something. Yeah. Yeah, like that balanced meal for sure. I can totally see that. Um, Yeah, I will say I am not, I have not really been drawn to a ton of mom specific, like, especially like the professional crossover mom groups Mm -hmm. that really actually, which makes me sort of sad because I, in my heart of hearts, I actually think I want something closer to that, that balance, but I have not found anything that I feel like truly makes the most sense. I do, um, participate in like the mother, honestly conversations or like the, um, and I listen to all the talks and, you know, those types of things, but I'm not like raising my hand to like take on, you know, a leadership position or anything along those lines, which is, you know, out of character for probably all, all of us, we tend to want to be involved in making the change or at least making sure things go the way we want them to. Um, so it's been a little bit of a disheartening to see that I just, I can't subscribe to one type of mom. I don't like it. I don't feel like I learned much in that environment. I don't think it's fair when, cause I don't know what type of mom I'm going to be when she's five. I've never had a five-year-old. I don't know. So I don't, I agree that there is a, um, weird filter in place for mom groups as well from the C-suite side or the executive level, um, piece, have you guys looked at any of those? Like, have you ever done the research into things that are, you know, that $700 plus membership level? Yeah, They're in my inbox. 
all the time. They're in my LinkedIn all the time because of the you know titles that are mm-hmm. on my LinkedIn. And um, I've entertained them se- several times joining, but I don't know what, I don't know what the stop of the stop there is. I don't know if it's, I mean, part of it is like, do I really want to give the energy over to this right now? Like, is this where I'm at? Like, I don't feel the need for it in my life. I have you guys, which is a big piece of it. I think, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just fucking tainted. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> join something else, like yeah. to commit my time in another way. Um, uh, but yeah, they, they are there and there's lots of them and they're entertaining and they're, they're, I've been entertaining them for a while, many years, five years. And um, I think what um, sometimes it's like, especially with the business, when you're a business owner, it's like based on your business revenue, right? So like mm-hmm. some of them have like million dollar marks, not there yet. So that's an immediate, but the, honestly, those are the groups where I'm like, I want to be in those circles because how mm-hmm. do I get to that point, but there's the cost of entry, you know, mm-hmm. uh, literally yes, exactly. and also like business. You know, and I, part of me, like I have really no qualms with the C-suite level groups, right? Yeah. Part of me, you have to have something that's exclusive and valuable mm-hmm. where there is that earned access, yeah. willing mm-hmm. investment, right? So part of me is like, there needs to be some, some line in the sand somewhere. So um, maybe what's missing is that in between. Like, I think that we all collectively almost at the same time realized the organization that we were all a part of, we outgrew it. We probably had mm-hmm. outgrown it before we even entered it, but we saw the opportunity to grow something amazing and then you know, mm-hmm. shit went down the way it did. But I think we knew like, we're not going to be here for forever. This is a short-term play and we're going to graduate to the next level but that next level, like, what is that? It's a big jump to get to that next, like, organization circle. And there's nothing really in between. That right. is a really interesting point that you bring up because there really isn't. There isn't much in between. And there is a place for women like us who are not by any stretch entry level right. and have aspirations of more, whether it is more as business owners or more senior executive positions. And I will say that the reason I think there's not a huge market out there for it is because there aren't a lot of women here. This is when the ranks start getting thinned out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this some right. something to note is there was a study published in 2016 mm-hmm. by the Academy of Management. Um, and they found that senior level women who try to help other women are more likely to face negative performance reviews than those that don't. There is just an understanding still that at that stage, right? it's not an equal table for everybody to decide who gets to sit and compete and sit at that table. It's one spot for the female mm-hmm. at the top, which that energy is so apparent, especially in the, the marketing and um, digital side where it's just been, you know, inundated by men. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, well, you can have a seat at the table, but there's one seat yeah. while yeah. you're surrounded by 10. Um mm-hmm. You know, and that's just a huge thing. I think we have to figure out as women, why, 
we are buying that story that people. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, the thought of the thought of not reaching my hand out and taking somebody with me is just inconceivable. I I can't. Right. I couldn't in good conscience, conscience become an executive and not feel like I'm bringing some, some women with me. Right. And so those C-suite organizations, the ones that are exclusive, those are the women that are supposed to be helping build the other half of that bridge. But there's also that line in the sand going, well, you have to earn your way to the other side of the bridge, right? This mm-hmm. is the crux of the, the problem. So when we look at these organizations, let's start going into like, what are some of the issues or concerns we have in general for the future of these organizations. Cause I can tell you out the gate, I get MLM and cult like vibes from a lot of things, <laughs> um, especially all women organizations. What characteristics do you guys know of about the people that lead or found some of these organizations? Like, do you think they have similar regardless mother's groups, industry groups, C-suite groups? Do you think there's similar characteristics? Yeah. I mean, I think that in order to start anything, you do have to have a a little bit of healthy delusion, right? Because you have to think that my thought about this is so great that everybody's going to want to be a part of this, right? So I think that there's a, normally there should be a healthy dose of that, but I do think that it can get into unhealthy territory, where um, you've got people who have a little more than just a healthy dose of delusion about themselves and what it is that they're trying to create. And I also think that it's really easy for somebody's story to get bigger than them. And then they start to add to it or make, you know, really focus on it that like, this is my story and this is what's happened to me. And, um, and that can get a little out of hand. Unchecked egos, right? Mm-hmm. That's like what you're talking about. And you know, that's like the, when there's organizations that are founded by like one person where they are the, the image, the voice, the front person for the org, there's, if that person doesn't have a healthy dose of um, humility, Yes. I was going to say humble pie, <laughs> same, same. <laughs> then the power just goes to their head and they trip mm-hmm. out on it. And if there's nobody around them who is strong enough to check them, then they go crazy. <laughs> or yeah. the people who are around them to check them, they retaliate against one way or another mm-hmm. and then shit hits the fan. So like it, or there, or that's, and when you see that kind of, that kind of behavior happen, then, you know, it's like, there's exposure, right? There's insecurities and exposure happening where like there's weaknesses that they're feeling that they aren't willing to own up to, or have enough humility to admit that they don't know everything. And then, and then there's drama and unnecessary, unnecessary bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I, I've started to understand when those red flags hit for me. Cause I get, if you build something alone, it is like your baby, right? So you tend to get a little protective over things. I understand that. I understand that it's, um, a business in most cases. I think what I have 
started to understand is when it grows to a certain point, if they are not actually expanding the face, right? So if they insist on always staying the sole face and having people underneath them be the voice or the loud, you know, laugh track or clap track in the audience. Mm-hmm. And they never actually make that face multiple faces across the board. That's when it's a red flag. That's when you know that organization is not for everybody. It is for the individual that is the face and that's their priority. They no longer, even if they started wanting to do all the great things, yeah, they no longer can change. And when it's years later, where it's the same fucking story, right? Like Mm -hmm. if the story hasn't evolved or there's a new story as part of it, then like, that's where self-aware people would say like, wait a minute, like, why is this the same thing over and over again happening? Like why, why is there, what's the next, what's the next chapter of this story? Why are we Mm -hmm. hearing the same thing years later? Something I see online a lot that's concerning is the online entrepreneurial women's business subscription clubs and they they've always got you know one woman who created it and you know she made a billion dollars and it's going to teach you how to do the same thing i'm always concerned when i see that because that person has to constantly do better while also growing that business that they've now started, you know? So I think it, it makes the person who founded it almost having to feed their own machine because they've Mm -hmm. got to keep up with the Joneses, but they're the Joneses. So it's like, they're, they're, you know, online every day saying, uh, I, I made another million dollars and I'm going to teach you how to do the same thing, but they can never fail Mm -hmm. and they can never show any type of challenge or uh, bump in the road because that's not what they're selling. They're right. selling success. They're selling six figures. They're selling, you know, work at home with your 90 kids and yeah, right. they can never have any um, challenges. Yeah, and that's, and a, that's a problem. All of the that's organizations a- do that, right? They yeah. like show there's only the success stories, but like, I don't know about you guys, but like what I have found most beneficial with our friendship is that we can talk about when it fucking sucks, when it's hard. Like that's where I get the most growth for myself. But like the organizations that are out there do not put yeah, that but- as the thing that they rally around. It's like, I look know. who got a raise. Look who did this. Like, but look- if you look at like, if you look at the people that join those organizations, they're not buying that. They want success. It is that yeah, idea yeah. of mm-hmm. buying what they think they want or what they think they can have. They want to buy it. They don't so want to it's a marketing like, play. It's a, right. yes, it's, it's all it's a marketing not, play. Yeah. And it's not support because yeah. really, I think at the core, when women are looking to join some organizations, whether it's personal, professional, whatever, they're looking for support. 
But then you get all wrapped up in the success stories and you forget that you came to have a true connection so you can get and give support. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys, I mean, we were a part of a group. I mean, I was part of that group for over, it was like three years or so. There was a lot of women that came in and out of that group, a lot that are still there. Um, And when I look at sort of the mix of people that joined that group, it is, it's pretty consistent in terms of like personality traits that are, that overlap a little bit. Not everyone is the same, obviously, but there is a very like follower-esque sort of mindset, like group, group over like what's overall the right decision or the hard decision. There tends to be more of like a safety net, which, you know, part of me can't fault a lot of people for that. That's sort of why the organization like started was to give that space, that safe environment for women to, to come together. Right. But is there something to be said about the women that stay and they're quiet about it, or they just tend to repeat, you know, the canned talk track in some of these organizations. And do you guys experience that in, you know, the moms organizations that you guys have seen? Do you experience that in, um, you know, other work environments or professional environments? Cause I don't see that in co-ed networking events. I don't see that same type of thing. I I'm not a part of all men's organization groups, so I can't, (laughs) I'm sure there's a hierarchy within that space, but I feel like it's more acceptable to challenge in those environments than it is. in maybe a woman's organization. I mean, we talked about this and what I saw was the, the, what I call like the bottom half of the mean girls group, which is like, the Gretchen Wieners and the Amanda Seyfried character where it's like a lot of women who are either a little bit dull minded or just want to be a part of the group Mm -hmm. for group sake and are going to go along to get along because they just want to be a part of it. And we are not either of those two things. So we were not going to go along to get along. And we also are very sharp minded. (laughs) And so we weren't able to not question. We weren't able to say, this doesn't seem right. It's not working for me. I've got a lot of questions. I'm going to look into things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, to me, the group that we were in as soon as, you know, Kelly and I became president and vice president, I mean, almost immediately, I was like, whoa, this is not being run well from the top immediately. And I am also very outspoken. So I said something at national conference and everyone looked at me like I was nuts. (laughs) And I'm like, it, 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 this, this wasn't that hard to figure out. Like something is wrong here. Mm -hmm. And why am I paying to volunteer my time Mm -hmm. and I can't ask any questions about the way the business is being run? Mm -hmm. And that's the kicker, right? So like the leadership piece for us, like it was all volunteer based. We didn't get paid shit. We were paying to be a part of the organization. There was no benefits. We baked into our future plans to pay, to have all of our board members 
dues paid by the organization and our fundraising right but like that that didn't even would couldn't didn't even come to fruition because of the way things shook out but like get that far that we we were volunteering to do something what we thought was great but then when we realized how shitty things were being run yeah like that was where we're like well wait a minute where are we spending our time where are we putting our energy what do we want to do so I think Courtney and I kind of took it and we're like well fuck this (laughs) we're gonna like make this awesome because we saw I mean there really was potential and Devin you've laid a perfect foundation for that where we were just ready to build upon it and like take it to the next level we were a thousand percent just gonna go rogue like we were just gonna do whatever we wanted we had a plan we were we selling sponsors. we did we sold shit I mean, it was great and we i didn't care it. i was popping out a baby crying a lot so like it didn't matter i was like i can't deal let them let them do what they gotta do i will say i think the big problem i had was the request from top folks or other even equal leaders in different places mm-hmm. to just not ask the questions. Yeah. That is the problem. It's not even the answer. It was we were told to stop asking or stop pushing yeah. or to yes. redirect. And with all the change that organizations go through when they need to rebrand, when they need to, I'm all, I understand that I've been in corporate for so long. I get it. There's more to things Mm -hmm. than just your one piece of the pie. And I was fine with a lot of it. I was like, I understand. I don't need every answer to all of the things, but you cannot tell me I cannot ask. Yeah. If I cannot ask, I now think there's more to it. And I'm not mm-hmm. even asking the good questions, right? You're just perpetuating all of that. So instead of having a leadership level, transparent conversation, you're deflecting and it just raised questions. And the reason was you should respect me or you mm-hmm. should the ego. You, and I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. So we're not here for the same thing. We're not here mm-hmm. for others. Yeah. We're here for you. Yeah. And what's funny about all of I that is it was being run just like the corporate environments that we are trying to change. Yes. That, and that was the yes. ironic part about the whole thing. Mm. And as soon as we realized that fully, it was like, there's nothing we can do about it because yeah. Even and and Kelly and I, we had this discussion probably every day for months. eight months <laughs> of like, okay, should we just go rogue and do us here in Detroit, have our insular local chapter and do what we do, even though we know the head the, the the top of this is not good, but we can maybe do something good in mm-hmm. Detroit. But is that ridiculous? Because at the end of the day, we are feeding and supporting something that we inherently do not agree with. And that was our struggle for a long time until, until it was too much until we, that like, it just bled over too much. Yeah. Yeah. One of the red flags for me too, was when there got to be to a, a point with the organization where we were having conversations with, you know, the collective leaders and you know, up the top leaders where it was very obvious that no one knew 
there were areas of blindness, right? Like things that we, I didn't have the answers to it. You, Courtney, you, Devin, you guys didn't have the answers to how to solve the problems, but there was no openness to asking for outside help or looking to a leader who had more experience or another organization for even just mentorship and inspiration to try and solve some of the problems that were super, seemed super parallel to what we've seen in other organizations. Like how did they solve that problem with membership or how did they solve that problem with bookkeeping, like basic shit. But like there was a roadblock that I saw like to even consider asking for support or mentorship or guidance. And that to me was like, okay, like, I'm not saying I know everything, but I'm willing to pull as many resources as I can find. I can go ask people who are older than me or have more experience than me, like what their opinions are. And I'll bring them to the conversation. But if you're not going to listen, then what am I doing? Like, why am I even trying to support this and grow this and make it better? Yeah. When I look back, I mean, it's way easier in retrospect, right. To identify things that, you know, we would call red flags today that easily should have been noticed, you know, right out the gate. And I think, um, Courtney, you really hit the nail on the head when you said it's running similar to a corporate environment that Mm -hmm. we're trying to change. And I get sort of reminded of this constantly about starting like women's groups internally at my office Mm -hmm. and like, the DEI groups that they all start. And then what happens is you have an executive sponsor and then all the work is done unpaid, uncompensated by the worker bees, right? At a lower level and things are funneled up, whether it's packaged from a PR standpoint or whatever that might be funneled all the way up. And now I, when I'm looking at almost all, all the women's organizations, I really was poking around in, they all feel that way for when you're at that, like lower cost tier Mm -hmm. when you, and I don't mean like just 40 bucks. I mean, like under 200 bucks, Mm -hmm. like anything around that feels like it is meant to be, they're all branded the exact same. They all sound the same. And so I wanted to walk you guys through some of the words that are used in these branding examples for the women's organizations and for MLMs and the overlap. <laughs> okay. sort of exists. Ooh, I like it. So, <laughs> so women's organizations, a lot of the branding said things like redefine your success, elevate yourself, elevate each other, um, create and cultivate the career of your dreams we are tastemakers and influencers. Um, we're a collective empower women, empower yourself. Um, all of those things. I think one was like girl gang of the 21st century girl boss language, right? Like all community was on almost every page. Oh, sure. So that was consistent. Well, the Washington post actually did research on MLMs and wanted to see what words were used across all the major like problem MLMs, right? All the ones that were the issues. And those words included things like opportunity to showcase yourself, reach your dreams, empower women, support your family, invest in you. Oh gosh. Be ambitious. This is about your business. Be confident. 
all the same language overlaps. That is, and what all those have in common is it is, they are meant to prey on the inherent insecurities Mm -hmm. that women have with providing for themselves and their families, advancing Mm -hmm. in their careers, being quote unquote, good moms, good wives, good women, whatever that is supposed to mean. And it is supposed to, by saying the phrase is to make you assume that you must not be or have that yet. Because if I say, oh, get your dream career. Oh, that means I must not have it yet. Or Mm -hmm. find your community. Oh, that must mean I haven't found my community yet. Mm -hmm. It's forcing women to question whether they have attained those things that are mentioned or not. Mm -hmm. And when you question it, it gives you that pause of like, oh, maybe I don't have it yet. I better find out what they're, what they have to say, because maybe they're going to tell me what I'm missing. So one of the worst things is that it is inherently a concept for women that feels new in certain points of their life. Like this idea of mixing these things is new, but men are raised to mix business and friendship. They are trained to do those things. I mean, it is inherent in how they are talked to as little boys, they, what toys they play with all the way up. But for some reason, women are not. And that gives us this play, this gap, right. For brands, companies, other women to build, you know, solutions for these things to come in and basically sell you on something. And the worst part is like, a lot of the women's organizations, I don't believe are intended at all to do harm. I, I don't, I, I believe they have an intention of wanting to do all the things that they, they list, but they do it for a fast win an yes. easy win. Yes. That's, that was a big part for when I joined the leadership group was I wanted to make the value of the content that we were creating and the experiences that members were getting to be what sold them, what drew people in, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, for lack of a better word, like the curriculum of what they Mm -hmm. would be learning. You don't see, I'd have to like dig a little deeper, but I can't think of a man, a men's organization that is using terminology, like find your community. Like no, like they're, <laughs> they're joining groups because they know that they're getting actual valuable connections yes. or education. Like, where's that for like, why are women's groups the ones using like shitty marketing tactics and why are we fucking falling for it? And not even the bad marketing, but I feel like the marketing is bad, but also what's on the inside is bad too. Yeah. I'm not, I am not getting the growth, the support, the mentorship, the education that I should be getting in yes. these women's organizations. They're like sales pitches. Yes. Like and then on the inside, quality. it's empty. Yeah. That is, even, yeah. that is a financial line. There is a difference. There is a clear jump in access to content, to speakers, yes. to other women, but the investment is incredibly high. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm not saying that women can't scrap together money in their early twenties if they really wanted to pay $1,500 to go to some, you know, Rachel Hollis concert or conference or whatever it is, you know, but they are buying into the idea that there's going to be this whole big thing there. They might get lucky and meet somebody, right. That helps Mm -hmm. them. But the real, the real winning groups that are, they're functioning like exclusive men's clubs. Yes. I was going to say that too. They it's women who have learned their value and have put up a a barrier in the same way that's on the other side of the fence. Like what, why is that? Why is that happening? Where's the middle ground? Well, because nobody wants to fork over the investment to give anybody the middle ground. They want And I mean that not just women forking over the investment, I mean, businesses and other men Mm -hmm. to fork over that investment. Like when we were trying to like curate content, find speakers, I mean, we were asked to find people that would do it for free. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was the first step. And what kind of content are you going to get? Shitty. From a free speaker. We're already devaluing the females we were bringing in, there was already this inherent thing. And, and they were paying for access to even that free content. So that's fucked up in itself. Mm -hmm. And how do we, how could we have possibly provided the information at the level we needed to provide it when we can't get the $10,000 speaker? And then how dare we you know, it's like, we're purporting and trying to teach these women, oh, don't give your services away for free. You should be getting paid to speak yet. Uh Jane Doe over here, we're telling her she needs to just come donate her time. Yeah. All the work, all the investment exchange was basically put on the members of the group. It was your investment exchange. What you're getting for your money is access to the other people in as a member, mm-hmm. like the same level, the same seniority. I mean, there, it was just that, that was the quote unquote value. Now that's not how it's packaged. That's not how it's sold, but that is exactly what is happening. And I will say, I think that's consistent for even those lower cost tier mom groups, those lower cost tier mm-hmm. industry niche, like executive tracks, are all very similar. The work is put on not the top, top down. It is Mm -hmm. the bulk of, of the paid members. Really. It's a very interesting way to approach it. Now that you look at women's groups that are highly successful run like exclusive men's organizations and they're funded a lot Mm -hmm. by companies run by men. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So there is something still there that nobody is willing to break before they rebuild. Cause I think that's probably the holdup. Like it, there isn't a bridge that's going to be built. It all has to come down and it has to be rebuilt. Yeah, Yeah, it definitely has to be rebuilt. So, you know, as, as we think about advice that we could give, even advice we can give to ourselves and to each other what is the next step? Is the, is the women's group as it currently exists, what's worth it? Or should we be looking for one-to-one mentorship? You know, what, 
what do you think is really the key right now with the with the broken environment we know as it exists? What should yeah. women who are mid-level in their careers do to get to the next level? Who do they need to associate themselves with? I mean, I can't devalue entirely women's groups. There's there was a lot of benefit I was able to garner from those years of work I put in. Right. And in the multiple organizations I did, I was a part of at one point, there was some, some were more valuable than others. I am a firm believer networking is key to growing in your career. I don't care really how you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think you have to go women's organizations only, There is a value though, to being in a space surrounded by only women. Um, And it's not probably what people think. It's not a safe space. I don't love saying it's a safe space because then everyone's like, nobody's going to challenge my thought. Nobody's going to fight. Nobody's going to debate. I don't believe in that. That's, that should be your first red flag. If everyone is saying the same shit and no one is challenging it, red flag, get out. Don't pay run. But if it is, if you're around women constantly going, why that, or what's this, or what are you doing next? That's a good, good networking group to be a part of good investment. When you're trying to figure out, like, if I could give advice to somebody who's trying to, there's like an inkling within yourself, right. Where you're thinking like, okay, there's something missing and, or I want to go to that next level. And you're going to have that like internal something or other, where a message that says like, do you want to advance in your career? This is the group for you. Like that's going to appeal to you. Right. So I, my advice would be to diversify the things that you're a part of. So don't just be part of like join one group and that be Mm -hmm. the end all and be all like also find a one-on-one mentor Mm -hmm. also join a group, like a different group and scope out what is happening there. So like I did, even if you don't join the group, if you would just attend events, like I attended Nabo events to like see Mm -hmm. what was going on there. And I ultimately decided not to be a member. Um, You know, I think I was there for a year and then I decided to not renew my membership, but it was wonderful to be able to see like an alternative groups dynamic and perspective. And Mm -hmm. it helped me round out who I was. And then, um, you know, and then I also similar to the time when I was with, had launched the, um, Detroit chapter of an event women's adventure group. So like that was another part of my life that was interest-based, but you know, it was a totally different group of women. So, you know, don't, don't marry yourself to a click. Cause that's what ends up happening mm-hmm. because you end up becoming like single-minded and, um, you know, make sure that you're looking externally to see like, what are the different parts of myself that I can find in other people, but then really coming back to yourself and saying like, well, where do I land? What's my awareness of who I am and what I need. And, and what do you bring to the table? Yeah. What are, mm-hmm. what are you offering the person next to you? I feel yes. like there needs to be a conversation when you're evaluating what, what's worth it. What's not of be self-aware enough to know what you're bringing in mm-hmm. and what you expect to find. So yes. if you want to grow in your career up level and your entire organization is entry level, then you're going to run into a problem yep. because mm-hmm. you need to find somebody that has what you want. Yep. So there has to be that mixed bag. Similar to if you're going to say you want to be a part of an entrepreneurial group, 
right? And you don't have your business off the ground yet. You need to figure out what you're going to be bringing to that group mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. value. Everyone has value. I do not believe nobody had like, you're going to start out with nothing to bring to the table, but you cannot go in expecting a handout of all these things. Yes. It is meant to be a back and forth. Yep. Yeah. So. And I think people are more willing to help if they feel like you are wanting to give your value in whatever way that you can. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have two things that for me have been the by far biggest game changers and they both are on individual levels. So, well, not necessarily. So one is introspective groups. So that can be anything from one-to-one or group therapy, or it could be things like Kelly, your uh, CLC. Mm -hmm. That was amazing. Maybe jump in and just kind of give the brief overview of what that was. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was designed to be um, based on the foundation of a book club, but also had um, like weekly meetups. So we all read a book together, but then met up weekly to do um, exercises and have conversations about the content of the book, but also self-reflective and self-introspection to align topics of the book. But also it was really about like, how are we growing as individuals, you know, personally, professionally, even some Mm -hmm. parent, you know, pieces in there, but um, it was an intimate group small, you know, there's only like six to 12 people per, per conversation. And, um, it sounds like Courtney, you got, you got out of it what I had intended in the design of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it so much because it was, it was, you know, part book club in nature. Uh, there were journaling prompts, Mm -hmm. um, but you also got to come together to this group and, and talk about, the things that you discovered through the journaling prompts. And I just felt like all of that together created a really good environment for self-reflection and internal growth. Um, So I highly recommend internal growth tools in whatever way you do them. I do think that internal growth has a huge impact on your professional growth. And then the other thing is either one-to-one mentorship or coaching. The biggest leaps I have made professionally in my life have been because of long-term mentorship relationships or, and, or coaches. I love me a coach. Give me a coach. I've had so many business coaches in my life, and we I could probably, probably find another. We could probably do a whole episode on Insta business coaches at this point. There is a whole new market now for all the coaching of all the things. It's like the new influencer thing. It is the new influencer thing. And you know, the the word, yes, coaches is thrown around, especially on Instagram. I mean, I did some social media coaching, but honestly, all it is is teaching, right? It's just, I have a skill set. I can impart my skill set upon others in a one-to-one training environment. Yeah, it's a mentorship. And um, yes, but the key for is me, to vet the, the choice. Exactly. The I was going to say, done correctly. It is a, yes, it is a packaged mentorship 
opportunity. You get in full circle, you get what you pay for, even in the one-to-one environment. So if you all, if you want cheapest coach, that is the level of coaching you're going to get. Um, there is definitely something to be said about that type of investment exchange. Yes. Um, for sure. Yeah. I do think, um, to, to round this conversation out, I think we, we all have pretty strong feelings about specific red flags in different women's organizations. I too am slightly jaded, um, about like investing all that extra time, but I definitely feel like I want that, that space again. Mm -hmm. Um, I have yet to really see anything jump off the page. So is there anything, well, there's probably a lot of choices here left on the table, ladies that makes your vagina hurt about this content, about this topic. What makes my vagina hurt the most about this is these groups either intentionally or unintentionally, intentionally prey upon young women Mm -hmm. early in their careers who are looking genuinely for community and mentorship. And instead they are being preyed upon financially and getting, you know, really watered down, uh, output in return. What makes my vagina hurt is that there's not, there's not quality resources out there. Like I can't name one like that. That sucks to me. Like that there's nothing that I, that pops up top of mind as like a really great large group for women that I feel super drawn to be a part of at this phase in my career and my business. Like it's that in between that there's nothing there that unless I'm willing to pay the big dollars to get into it. And I don't know, maybe that's a call to someone in the world because I don't have the time to do it, to create some type of organization (laughs) that can like support that phase of life for women that isn't the giant cost of entry, but like, why, why do we, why did we have to graduate from an organization aimed at younger women to get to this point? Like, why, why are we having this conversation right now? Why do we have to find just each other in this mix? Um, you know, there's probably a couple other women in my, in my circles that I could say would be aligned with what we're saying and would want to join this conversation and have similar pains, but yeah, like that, why, why do men get it? And we don't, (laughs) why do they get to be a part of something? And we are like, yeah, yeah. I will say what makes my vagina hurt is that there are too many women still, um, that take the easy way to stay a part of a social group or a part of a movement or community instead of the more challenging way of changing the system. And it just makes me sad that there's, I know there's more fight in women than they're, they're willing to put in. And, you know, it gets hard to feel like you you have to do that. You have to be the one that takes the bullet every time. You have to be the one that's always the mouthpiece, the loud one. And all three of us probably can attest to that just gets old at a certain point where you're like, I can't do that anymore for you guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're um, not part of anything yeah. in, that, mm-hmm. in that way anymore. Yeah. Um, 
And my hope is that, you know, as more conversations happen, you start to trickle folks out, people start, you know, pushing back a little bit in whatever capacity they can, but that's by far the most exhausting part of this. Yeah. So I think also what makes my vagina hurt is that women aren't holding themselves accountable to thinking better and allowing themselves to get caught up in the bullshit of these clicky culty type of organizations. Like I can't think that like, there's just a select few that are thinking the way we're thinking like women out there are are smart as fuck. Like they Mm -hmm. know what they're doing and they're allowing the system that we are functioning in to take over their own mindsets and their own opinions and letting themselves get caught up in this shit. Like stop doing that. Like (laughs) like, be self-empowered to say, no, fuck it. I'm going to stop selling the product. Like stop suckering other folks in, I guess. Um, Give all the money you want if it's yours to give. Yes. Yes. You know, all right, ladies, this was a a pretty long conversation. We didn't even really tip over the iceberg on all the things we could have went down. So thanks for that. Um, (laughs) If anyone wants to reach out to us or find us, you can look at MBH the pod on Instagram. We will see you guys next time. You can hang out with us. We'll be your crew. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Thanks for joining us on My Vagina Hurts. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit that subscribe button. Do you have a cringeworthy vagina story that you want to share with us? Submit your vagina scaries on our website at myvaginahurts.com. As always, you can email us at hello at myvaginahurts.com and follow us on Instagram at mvhthepod and on TikTok at myvaginahurts. See you next time. No short dick man